Katherine Hepburn once said, and let's do it. As one goes through life, one learns that if you don't paddle your own canoe, yes, I love it. you don't move. Let me give you that pose one more time. It's like when I'm getting Yes. You can either allow the swallows of the valley to sweep you away, or ride the winds of wisdom to unexpected heights. Either way, destiny is within your touch. The evolution of ownership of our voices a must. So keep going. Keep moving. And give yourself a yes. To blossom in any space. Changes the whole vibe. Throughout time. And remain. undefined. Well, welcome to episode four, season two of Undefined with Josina Anderson, that being yours truly. And for this edition, we have a very special interview with Oregon edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, who just this week made a very big announcement about his future. And we're going to talk about all of that and much more coming up next. So we are pleased to welcome none other than Kayvon Thibodeau into the Undefined with Josina Anderson studio, that being yours truly. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Ms. Josina. Glad yes. to be here. Yes, no, I appreciate that. And listen, you just recently announced this week that you are prepared to forgo your senior season at Oregon and enter into the draft. I just want to tell the folks who don't already know out there your immense production. Uh, this past season, you had 49 tackles, 12 for loss, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pass breakup. And also just for your college career, that was 126 tackles, 35.5 for loss, including 19 sacks, seven pass breakups. So I just want you to tell me and kind of describe the process and who you consulted, who was important in your circle uh, to just kind of come up with that decision for now? It was my family, you know, just having to sit back and kind of realize what the decision we had to be made. It was like, you know, it was a lot of things that kind of poured into it. And one being that the season had come to an end. Um, my coach had just, my head coach had just taken another job. So I didn't really know where the future of the program was going to be. But, you know, really having faith in the production that I did on the field, I was able to be confident, you know, in my decision to forego the season and forego my last bowl game. Now, obviously, too, in doing so, you're going to miss the uh, Valero Alamo Bowl on December 29th uh, versus mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Can you just describe for me, you know, the type of emotions that you'll have um, watching your teammates play without you being there? I don't even know. You know, there was a lot of games this season that I was at that I couldn't play in because of injury. But, you know, now it's, 
obviously different circumstances and I'll just have to be there to kind of see, you know, how that film will go. But obviously I'm, I'm really excited for them and I can't wait to, you know, it, it brings real opportunity for other guys to, you know, get real playing time and to, to kind of show their skills and, you know, show how they're next up. So you were from South uh, LA and I just wanted you to kind of tell me about your experiences uh, there or what comes to mind when you think about your style of play on the field and what most kind of raises up in your kind of consciousness right now, as I ask you about that, that inspires how you play on the field. Mm -hmm. I think it's the idea of by any means, you know, just realizing that you got to get a job done. There's no real room for excuses. There's no real room for failure, you know? So even if I do fail, I take it as a lesson and I learn from it and I grow. So it's not even a loss, but just having that mentality that, there is no going back. You know, we've came this far. We got to keep pushing forward and we got to keep just growing and getting better. And can you just uh, think about too, like Frank Clark, because I interviewed him in mm -hmm. LA. He's a guy that came up from the area. He personally took me to Skid Row where he, uh, you know, spent some time even obviously in that homeless shelter out there and, you know, obviously spent some time out there covering him. I'm just curious when you say by any means necessary or this job has got to get done, share a little bit with me about your uh, upbringing in the area too, that um, just kind of paints some pictures for us in terms of what you've mm -hmm. gone through and mm -hmm. what it was like. Well, it's the poverty level, right? So if you look at, you know, the economy, I think the poverty level in America is what, uh, $28,000. You know, mm -hmm. when my high school was, I think the average income was 20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the community is living under the poverty line. So with that being said, you, you see things that a lot of people who aren't in that area don't even understand. And, and, and once you're conscious of it, it you kind of have that realization that you don't want to live under the poverty line anymore. And that's kind of what it was for me, just realizing, you know, I have this great opportunity to uh, showcase my talents. And if I do showcase them well, I'll be able to, you know, change the, the, the course of my family, you know, generations to come. So kind of having that, uh, uh, I wouldn't even call it pressure because this is kind of what we're born into. But having that mission and that plan to change, you know, the future was always in the uh, forefront of my mind. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the energy of your family and even generations past or what have you. Is there some sort of alter ego that you assume that you conjure from this energy that you turn into when you're playing on the field as well? Just quickly while I'm thinking of that, as you mentioned that. You know, I think I have I think I have multiple, um, <laughs> you know, egos and, and a lot of different people could tell you who I am. But mm -hmm. I, I really feel that, you know, having that wisdom is what kind of helps me play through you know, play the game, you know, having that, being able to read between the lines and, and dissect how life is going has kind of helped me dissect the game and really look between on, on, you know, the culture of it and how things move in between it. Mm -hmm. So you spoke about your now former head coach, uh, Mari Cristobal, who obviously made the decision to go to Miami. Um, I'm just curious, how much did he share with you the process that he was going through even at the time? That also just influenced, maybe you can kind of take us back to that mm -hmm. time as well as far as the timing of your departure? Well, you know, it, we the last game was only, well, a couple of days ago now. So it hasn't really been that, it wasn't that long of a time. And right after the game, the coaches had to get on the road and recruit. So truthfully, I don't even think he knew that, you know, the opportunity was going to come until, you know, it happened and, and he had that deadline. But, you know, for me, I, I learned that, you know, this is a business from, from – 
from the jump and realizing that people have families to look after and you you know you really mm. have yourself to kind of focus on I understood him you know mm. he didn't we didn't really talk about it as much because he was already on the road recruiting but when we did get to get to talk I let him know that you know I just appreciated everything he did for me and that I know where he's coming from you know going to Miami having family in Miami I mean there's no there's nothing that can stop a man from accomplishing his dreams and and and, and you know fulfilling his destiny for his family so you know, uh, a lot of appreciation, a lot of love to him. And I hope, you know, he does, you know, the best he can do at Miami. So I was looking over your production at Oregon, speaking of, you know, your relationship with him there and, and the conversations that you guys have had. Obviously, very consistent over your three years there. I see that you had the shortened season in your second year, especially due to the pandemic and obviously the early ankle injury that you had this past season. But, you know, very, very consistent. I would uh, ask you, can you describe what specific skills that you were, uh, you know, keying on to specifically mm -hmm improve over yeah. the course of your career just over the tenure of your time at Oregon? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, first coming into high school, a lot of people deemed me as a pass rusher and that I could only rush the passer. But now, um, you know, over the last two years, I've been really uh, able to develop my run-stop game and just being a force in the run, being able to set edges, being able to get off blocks, shed blocks, take on combo blocks, and just really have my feet in the ground. You know, being an edge guy, a lot of people like to make stigmas about us being lean and being fast and being tall that we can't set an edge and use our power and use our hands. So for me, just being able to use my hands and, and use the technique that I was taught to kind of implement and uh, stopping the run so that I could be a four down player. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And any specific moves, too, that you use to, you know, be that edge rusher, especially with your hands or your feet or mm -hmm. your spin move or your agility, how you're coming off your yeah, ankle yeah. or what have you? Any specific moves that you think actually have evolved since then, too, as well? Uh, my flash dip. I use a flash dip a lot. And this, there's a couple of moves, my long arm. I mean, really, all of my moves have evolved. And now I'm mm. starting to really add more moves. So now when I go through games, I can really, you know, start mixing it up. And I, I kind of feel like a boxer because, you know, I'm throwing the right mm. hook, I'm throwing the right hook, then I throw a left hook, then I throw an uppercut, then I come around, you know. So just being okay. able to kind of have that mental that mental capacity to display the moves is really where I've taken that next jump. Okay, so you named two moves at the top of that answer. That It was a flash. You said it was a flash what? It's a flash dip. So I flash okay, my so hand and I tell, dip tell me what, yeah, Yeah, tell me, describe what that is. So basically, you you fake a defender, like you flash your hand and you make the offensive lineman feel that you're about to bull rush him, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then as soon as he shoots his hands, you dip under it. So you call it a flash mm -hmm. dip. Mm -hmm. um, there's a highlight of it in the UCLA game, which is mm -hmm. where kind of where I used it and, and it worked perfectly. Um, mm -hmm. And then the long arm, I have a lot of tape of the long arm being used, just being able to convert when you stab somebody in their chest and kind of get them off balance. And then at that point, you can control where their body goes. So, you know, having that mental capacity to understand where the quarterback is or going to be and then being able to make a move off of that. That's interesting. So controlling their direction by putting your force directly in front of them and trying to get yeah. them to go where you want them to go so then you can make your move, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay, I understand. So if you were talking to an NFL scout right now and he said, Kayvon, I want you to tell me which of your games or which of your game film best represents the entirety of your skill set, the evolution of your skill set, and your best production, which tape would you give him to watch? 
I would give two tapes. I would give the second half of the Cal game because I only played one half, which was the second half. I would mm-hmm. give him that tape, and I would give him the UCLA game. Mm. Mm-hmm. And explain why more so as well. Uh, the pressure, the consistent uh, – uh, unguardableness. You know, UCLA and Stanford, I mean, not Stanford, UCLA and Cal were the only two teams who gave me opportunity. Well, not only two, maybe it was one more in there, but those were the only two teams who gave me opportunities to rush one-on-one, right? And for mm-hmm. me, I want to show that one-on-one, I'm the most unguardable player in college football. Okay, well, those it, are good answers. It forces answers. teams mm-hmm. to, to start sending two guys, three guys, and they start to game plan around me. You know, and after you watch those games, like if you watch those games first and then you watch the next games proceeding, you can see how it affected how teams played me and how they, you know, schemed mm. around my skill set. Interesting. I like that. I like that. And speaking of the transition uh, to the NFL, in your declaration post on IG, you said that you feel like you are a man ready to take on the world. So I'm curious, uh, how much do you talk to your former Oregon teammate, Penny Sewell, when it comes to um, just the life, the routine, the schedule, the demands of the NFL that you're getting ready to partake in? Obviously, right now, he's offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions. I actually just... I talked to him, I want to say, last week, and I was asking him about the different games and different things he has to do. And he was talking mm-hmm. about how, you know, now this is your only job, you know, so mm-hmm. he really gets to love it and enjoy it and not have that weight on his shoulders of turning in papers, of, you know, going to class, of doing different things. But now he can focus on his body. He can focus on his, his mental his, his mental health. And he can really focus on his family and, and playing football. So just knowing that and then knowing, like, you have all the time in the world to, to hone in on your craft it just made me happy all over again, knowing that, you know, I get more time to really sharpen the skills and, and not have to focus on too many different things. Now, who else do you talk to, if anyone else, already in the NFL besides who? Um, we got a couple guys. Diamador Lenore is another um, Oregon cat that, that I played with, mm-hmm. uh, plays corner. He plays for the um, 49ers. And then Troy Dye, who also plays for the Vikings, which was my linebacker my freshman year. Shoot, mm-hmm. even Justin Herbert, I've talked to him a couple times since he's been in the league and just kind of getting those went to a golfing tournament with him. But, you know, just just getting on what it's going to take. You know, they talk about how the league is – it's it's the same as college, just at a faster pace and a more serious uh, uh, tempo, I guess you could say. So can you kind of recall your last conversation with Justin specifically – what he said to you, because obviously Justin that's Herbert. interesting. Doing yes, he's doing very, very well right now. Uh, you know, with the Chargers. Yeah, so it was before the season, and I saw him at a uh, golfing. Uh, it was a fundraising golfing tournament that he had that I went to, and you know, we we honestly just chopped it up, and he really talked about how, <clears throat> you know, being in the league. I asked him. I said, because one thing that one thing we used to have was a a competitive back and forth. You know, him being mm-hmm. at quarterback and me being on the edge. There's a lot of mental game that goes to it, and he controls the game in a certain way, and so do I. So, you know, going back and forth, I asked him, like, you know, who's some of the hardest guys to go against? And he was just naming guys on the D-line, and he was saying how, like, you know, the whole – the smarts of the defense is a lot higher now. You know, a lot of guys mm. are, are really smarter, so he has to, you know, come up with new things that he does now to to kind of mess with him and, and get his rhythm going. And who did he say is the toughest to go up against? <laughs> I mean, you know Bosa. You know Bosa is the guy. He 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 wins a lot of reps. So just having that consistent pressure in his ear and having a guy who's who's really enthusiastic about rushing the passer, it, it makes him better in the end. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm also curious now, outside of the guys who you talk to in the NFL, um, who do you specifically model your game after, if anyone, or who would you somewhat like to emulate? Obviously, also being your own mm. man and your own player. Of course, uh, Von Miller. You know, for me growing mm. up, Von Miller was the guy who was the most prominent at what I do. So just seeing, I mean, there, there, there's a handful of guys who, who who are in the conversation, but him specifically, I mean, just his technique and his moves and being able to, uh, at the time, you know, he's about 6'3", 250. So he's not as tall as me, but he's still able to use his power, mm. use his speed, use his different moves that he's, you know, with the technique that he has to, to you know, sack the quarterback. Yeah, uh, Vaughn is very evenly distributed, very agile in the hips. I covered him, obviously, when he first came into the league uh, with the Denver Broncos, obviously a member of the Rams right now, but just extremely, extremely uh, agile, very good bend at the hips and all that other stuff. So a good choice right there. And I wanted to say this to you, uh, in the pros, obviously, you know, when you're talking about talking with these guys about life in the NFL, you're going to have to deal with media critics, opinion makers, just like you already have at, at Oregon. But I'm curious, I'm going to read this to you and you tell me what you think about this. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is one uh, critic who said, or, you know, just media person, although he isn't the same prospect tier as Miles Garrett, Chase Young, or the Bosa brothers, Thibodeau mm-hmm. is a disruptive pass rusher due to his upfield burst and quick feet. He is a strong run defender and should continue to improve as a pass rusher as his rush moves evolve. Mm-hmm. Thibodeau reminds me of a stronger, longer version of Harold Landry. The Texans will also be in the quarterback market this offseason, but hard to see them drafting one this early. What do you think about that comment? Um, I feel like that that's an opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the, the problem with people is they, <laughs> they like to see the final work, right? They don't mm. like to see the coming growth, right? So when you talk about uh, a tier of a player, you also mm. have to talk about a tier of the coaching, right? Mm. You also have to talk about the system around the player, right? Because a lot of analysts and reporters don't understand the, the schemes behind football, right? So you could say, oh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. Well, the game you watched, we were probably trying to contain the quarterback. So my coach told me before the game to not use certain moves so that we can keep the quarterback in the pocket and not give him, you know, running lanes if he's a mobile quarterback. So there's a lot Mm. of different things like that that play into a person's skill set. So, you know, that's why I try not to really feed into that and Mm. and wait until I really talk to NFL coaches Mm -hmm. and scouts so that I can really get a real understanding of you know what it is that I I, I do have the, you know, and it was complimentary to too. He's just you know obviously giving yeah. his you know that's his assessment. And, By the and, way, that and, was and, uh, and that's Aim my Brugler. thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's my whole conversation about football in general, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look back, okay, what, what name name some of the guys? He said, uh, let's say Chase Young for example. Uh-huh. Chase Young had other NFL players on the side of him in college, right? Mm-hmm. So that's different. If you got if you got LeBron and, and let's just say Steph Curry on the same team, you can't mm-hmm. double team. You you can't. You got to guard him one-on-one. But if you just got LeBron, I'm going to guard. There's going to be two people on LeBron, and you're going to have to beat me with the rest of the team, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you have a Chase Young and let's just say a, a Bosa brother, it's like who, you know, there's no, there's no possible way to double team, mm-hmm. right? If you have multiple guys who have the skill set to go to play in the NFL, you have to respect it. So, you know, being – being you know on a team where there's only one one main guy or the media only pubs one main guy they're gonna 
attract I'm going to attract more attention, giving my other teammates more opportunities and things to, to have one on one situations. Oh, absolutely. It's just like if there's equal uh, talent on either side of a line, you know, is exactly. obviously the defensive attention is spread so that you guys equally have the opportunity to win one on one opportunities. And, and, and one thing I love, you know, when you talk about ratings is, is, is the pass rush win ratio. Right. Mm -hmm. They talk about what's your pressure percentage. Right. And pressure percentage is out of the past rushes that you had, how many of those created pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. When you look at those, it's a different number than if you look at how many sacks a person has. Right. Because mm -hmm. I can get sacks. I can get a sack and not even win the rep. You know, the quarterback could have just came to me and I, and I fell off and I sacked him. So it's like stats and actual film are, are, are you know, they vary. No, that's excellent, excellent, very thorough and thoughtful answer. Um, so obviously I want to talk about, too, the upcoming draft, and clearly the order can change. But, you know, the current NFL draft order for 2022, number one, Detroit, two, Jacksonville, Houston, uh, three, Jets, uh, four and five, or what have you, Giants, six, uh, you know, underneath that. When you think about those teams, uh, first and foremost, I'll say, what does it mean to you and how necessary is it for you first to be number one overall? For me, I feel like number one is history. You know, I'm a guy who talks about you You either are you either make history or you be history. Right. Mm. And when you say make history, number one would be making history. Right. Mm -hmm. And anything else would be being history. So mm -hmm. for me, I, I'm, I'm all I'm all about the legacy and, and, and what you leave behind. So I just be, you know, ultimately grateful to, to be picked number one. But, you know, mm -hmm. everything else would also still be a, a great, a great blessing. But, of you know, course. Number, number one is history. Of course, of course. And so talking about those teams that I just mentioned, how much of an opportunity do you get to watch and study NFL games? And, you know, it, when you think about those teams, Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, the Jets, Giants, or what have you, and you think about your own skill set, um, which of those teams, if you may say, if you know, uh, do you think your specific skill set goes to in terms of that defense outside of just obviously what you said and, and the history you could make mm -hmm. at number one? Well, personally, I feel like I'm MacGyver. You know, I'm a guy who's once an opportunity is put at me, I'm going to learn and I'm going to do everything I can to withhold or, or to, to get the job done. So whether mm -hmm. it be the position I'm used to playing or whether it be a position I've never played before, I'm gonna make sure that I'm prepared in the in the pre you know preseason to 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 when the the season comes to do the best I can at that job. So for me, I I don't really have any specific team that I say, oh, I play this position. But I feel like any team that chooses me and any coach that you know decides that they want to coach me, I'm gonna take what they tell me you know to heart. I'm gonna take it personal. I'm gonna really use what they say to grow and, and develop my game. Maybe you never know. Maybe you do uh, reunite with Sewell in Detroit, right? <laughs> so exactly. That, that would definitely be something. Now, I know that you uh, work with uh, Travel Gaines, um, and obviously, I, I don't know how many combines I've covered, maybe 10, 12, or what have you, um, seeing all these guys do all these things to get ready for Indianapolis. What specifically at the point that you are now, and I know you've done so much, we just talked about all those moves and things like that, that you've done to really evolve your game. But at the point that you are right now, Kayvon, what else do you want to work on between now uh, and the combine pro days and draft? Uh, learning the game. I feel like, you know, as you grow and you develop through football, there's so much more to learn and there's so many lines to read in between. So just being able to get now, you know, that I'm at this, 
this in this hot seat, there are a lot of NFL players and coaches and different people who are willing to teach me and I'm, are willing to help me grow mentally in the game. So, you know, I always looked at football as a mental sport. You know, they say 90 percent mental or whatever it have you. I feel like, you know, the, the more the smarter I can get with defensive, with coverages, with everything around the game, the better off I'll be. And I'm also talking about in the gym, too, or whether it's your speed. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. to somebody myself who went to North Carolina. I always got to get in there. You don't know when you talk to me. I was Tori. Okay. So I'm going to get that in there, you know, come around the corner on the uh, the teal blue, uh, or I should say powder blue track or what have you. But I'm, I'm curious, in the gym specifically, what you're trying to work on? And then, two, because of the track aspect and how much I'm into that, I always am curious how much you feel or players feel is important to have the track speed on top of the NFL speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So me, I am a workaholic. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, I didn't really mention that because that's every day, you know, Mm -hmm. growing, getting stronger, getting more lean, getting more yoga, getting more, you know, um, Mm. everything. I mean, any way that I can really turn my body into a machine, I've had somebody tell me that I look like an action figure. So any way that I can just keep that GI Joe fitness <laughs> up and be, you know, as as stretched out as possible, the better. You know, me, I I, I ran track in my day. You know, I was on the JV uh, four by one team. So the JV you know, four by one. Okay, okay. You know, hey, we, you know, you we, we, wait a minute. Were you the front leg, the second was, leg, the third leg, anchor? What yes, were you? Yes. Which one? Yes. I was. The, I was the anchor. Okay. Okay. I was okay. the anchor, so you know I okay. had to bring it home at the end. You same boat, okay? I'm gonna need, you know, just getting that form, getting the forty. I feel like the 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 type of player I am, you know, the combine and everything is where I'll succeed and where I'll kind of uh, create that space and you know really hone in on on, on everything. Well, and and I and this is what I think too because I, I really feel like the track speed. And obviously, I know that it it is different and it helps you to, you know, maintain even in your pursuit. I know the area that you work in is is not as long or large as a wide receiver when he's trying to progress from Mm -hmm. the line of scrimmage in the second level and the third level or what have you. But I I think it's just it it helps with it helps. Yeah, it helps with the twitch, you know, the fast twitch and all that other stuff. And just even has you sustain yourself from, you know, the first quarter to the fourth quarter, all Mm -hmm. all of that. I just I I, your muscles and your hamstrings and all that. Yes, yes. I think I think all of that. But that but that's just me. Um, a couple things here. I, I was looking through your Instagram page and seeing that you have started to pick up some marketing deals and what have you. Back in my day, Kayvon, we didn't have all these opportunities. Yeah, yeah y'all was broke y'all back had, Exactly. Guys used to, I mean, obviously some things that happen on the side. But, we don't get all that. but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, it's a lot easier to make money off of your image and things like that with NIL. So I want you to talk about some of the deals that you um, have acquired and how important it is for you to develop yourself as a business person entrepreneur or what have you off of the field uh i feel like the business side of me is a part of the legacy you know Mm -hmm. when you talk about what do you want kids to strive for to be i don't want kids to just look at me and say they want to be the next you know great football player Mm. i want them to realize that everything that you do in life just opens more doors you know and i feel like me being on the stage and being on this platform and being and having the the wisdom and the clarity to navigate these deals and to navigate who I want to be perceived as because that's the biggest thing you know it's about perception it's it's about you know perception is reality so Mm -hmm. for me it's it's having people understand that who I am on the screen is the same person I am in person 
you know, mm. that I'm not here to, I'm not, I'm here to entertain, but I'm here mm. to educate. I'm not here to just, to be, you know, pure fun, even though it, obviously football is entertainment. I'm here to, you know, I want you to leave with substance. I want you to leave knowing that mm. I'm not just a face, you know, there's real thought and there's real um, time put into everything that I do. So when you're looking at the different NIL deals that I did, you know, the first biggest one I did was with uh, Phil Knight and, 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 and the Nike family. And it was mm. basically a NFT, right? And for mm. me, I could have started on lower level things and, and I could have I could have done a lot of different things first. But I had mm. to have that plan to say, you know what, I want to align myself with, with Nike. I want to align myself with Phil Knight. So then after mm. Phil Knight came United. So then for me, mm. I felt like that was a great, uh, uh, another brand association that I could use. Um, then after that, um, came a cryptocurrency, right? We're always talking about the future. Cryptocurrency is the future. So being able to align myself with that. And, and these, those were just three of the, of the many more things that I did, but those were the biggest things, the biggest brand associations that I used to help facilitate who I am and who I want to be. Now, and how much was that you pushing that when you talk? Cause I, I just did an interview with Leonard Fournette and he, um, something he's doing with some Coinbase thing in, in Louisiana, I forget the name of it or what have you. And obviously Odell just did his thing with Cash App and Bitcoin, all these other things that they do or what have you. But I'm just curious, even in these business deals, did you come to the table, whether it's with Wasserman or what have you, and specifically say, I want to do something cryptocurrency mm -hmm. involved? Yes. Like you already came I, I, to the I table said, with I that. Said, okay. Mm -hmm. So for me, you that, and that's the thing, with anything you do in life, I, I could say I want to get rich, mm -hmm. but it's like making the money isn't what's going to make me rich. You know, it's finding something that I love and finding something that I like to do and, and going with that for me. So for me, I love doing business, right? And I look at mm -hmm. stocks as another form of business. So once I learned about stocks and I got into it, it was like, wow, I'm doing this every day now. So when I get up in the morning at 6.30 a.m., I'm looking at, you know, different different articles and different things to, to help, you know, boost stocks. So then crypto started to come around and then it was like, people are creating their own cryptos. Mm. Why, why can I not do that? You know, why mm. not me? So I kind of took that and I threw it out there and, you know, somebody came back with a plan and idea. So I was now able to create my own cryptocurrency, which is dream coin. It's J R E A M. You can go get, get it that. out there. Get, say, this, say one more dream. time. Go ahead. Um, yes. Yeah, dream coin. And it's on, mm -hmm. it's available on rally.io, which is a website that I did it with. And, you know, realizing that a cryptocurrency ties to who I am, you know, so knowing that when I go on the draft and I do different things, this is uh, economy. This is an economy that I've created. So now when you when you look at it in that perspective, I can basically create my own extensions of this economy, you know, within the, the, the cryptocurrency. So whether it be because um, one another one of my plans is to open a school, a, a charter school in Los Angeles for uh, wow. underprivileged children, yes, which is what the that. Dream Foundation is going to help facilitate. So then I could run with my charter school. I could implement the Dream Coin into the, you know, the school system. So when you think of it in terms of the future, this is like, you know, being steps ahead of, of what's to come. Well, I have to say. So this is the first time I'm talking to you, okay? And I even have to admit, you know, I'm, I'm very much NFL, NFL, NFL more so, you know, than college, but getting an opportunity to talk to you. And I've talked to a lot of people. And say, I can tell, you know, you're very, very impressive and thoughtful and you've thought through a lot of things, even outside 
of football. So that that's very impressive. And I'm curious, even as I'm listening to you as a whole person, not just in your football answers and, you know, some of the comparisons that will be made between you and other players, even at your position, as you walk this path towards, you know, the draft and the combine or what have you, can you quickly, uh, before we go into that you thing and then end up here, uh, just compare yourself to the Aiden Hutchinson's and the what have you that people will be contrasting, comparing you with as you, you know, uh, get to the draft and people have to decide, you know, who to go with. Um, and that includes everything, think, you know, I, from everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give you one. <laughs> yeah. I think I compare myself more to a like a Huey P. Newton or mm-hmm. like a, a a a a what's his name or a Bobby Seal, right? Mm-hmm. And I say mm-hmm. this right because. Football is is what it is, okay? Mm. You can compare how tall somebody is, how much they weigh. You can compare this and that. But you can't really compare what's in someone's mind. You know what I mean? Mm. And the thing about football is you have to have a certain mind to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily – I don't want to compare myself to any of the players that are out there. But what I will say is I have the determination, the clarity, and the wisdom that God gave me to mm. know what I need to do. To, to, to get better, you know, in every sense. When someone tells me there's something I need to get better on, I already know, and it's already being done, right? So everything that people watch is past. I've already broken down the film. So the only way people can critique me is critiquing me on history, if that makes sense. You can't critique me on the present because I've already critiqued myself, right? And that's because I've taken the time to really care, and I've taken the, the, the initiative to say every night, coach, what is it that I could get better on? not from just a this team this game but in life you know i literally i talk to my family my parents and i say what is it as a person i can get better on because i want to be a better person to the people around me right because those things really matter so i think it's just the introspective uh uh way i am that kind of makes me a a a valuable piece and saying that when things are going wrong i'm not going to look out you know, I'm going to look within mm-hmm. and see how I can kind of change my 20 feet and make it better for the people around me and, and kind of, you know, build for that that cohesive uh, bond. You know, and that's interesting that you say that because I'm going to go to the combine. Right. And you're going to go through this and they have the well, I don't know what will be changed with the pandemic or what have you. But, you know, typically when you go there, you have these 15 minute interviews with these coaches. And obviously the draft is a science, but it's not. People make mistakes all the time or don't, you know, see or realize the Tom Brady's or the Richard Sherman's or whoever that get drafted yeah. in later rounds that end up being who, who they are. And I think it comes down to the word of discernment, right? And mm-hmm. not only just being able to evaluate film right but being able to in that moment even in this interview or when you're talking to someone be able to discern (laughs) you know and pick up on drive Mm -hmm. you know inner fuel intrinsic motivation circumstance heart all those things that are not metric (laughs) and and that's the thing because people understand it's easy to do things when the circumstances are in your favor You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's easy Mm -hmm. to succeed. It's easy to shine when you have a two-parent home, when your parents are able Mm -hmm. to pay for college, when you you don't have anything back in this sport, when you realize that I'm just having fun out here so I can do whatever it is I want to do. 
You know what I mean? But there are some pressures that other people have where you can literally attest it to like, wow, with all of this going on, you're still able to overcome it and succeed. And, and for me, I and I, I like to I like to look back at the movie uh, 3000, if you've ever seen it, it's a warrior movie, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing that he said was, I have 3000 warriors mm. or 300 warriors. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You mm -hmm. have 3000 regular people. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, mm -hmm. when you talk about how people are trained and the discipline people go through and the circumstances people overcome, you gotta, you gotta look for the warriors and the people that, you know, and, and I, I test this to, to my the leaders, staff. the leaders, the leaders, the people who the Caesars and the planet of the apes. And, and that, and that's why I said a Huey P Newton, because when you're in those positions, you have to be the most selfless and you have to realize that no matter what's going on at home, you have a group of people who depend on your leadership and they're going to move how you move. So just being able to navigate that and, and really, you know, use that to, to my advantage is, is everything. So is this why you like chess so much? Because you're so thoughtful and everything is about one move to the next move and what the fifth move has to do with the eighth move and all that. Mm -hmm, other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you, you, when you learn, there's only certain people who really understand. And, and when you look at chess, I don't know if you play, but people in your life resemble a chessboard. You know what I mean? Why? Because everything is for a reason and everybody only has what they were given. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. whatever tools that let's just say you, you're looking at a, a team, a football team, right? Old linemen can only block. They can't catch mm -hmm. passes. They can't run routes. They can't do anything. D linemen can only stop the run, rush the passer. Quarterback obviously can do a lot more. Wide receivers can do more. You know, the different positions can do more. So when you learn how to use these positions and these people cohesively, mm -hmm. I mean, you're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And then I have to get this in with you because you mentioned the things that you want to do for the youth specifically also in your area, you know, uh, especially with your growing up. Just lastly, talk about how important that is to you and what you're currently doing. And you mentioned the project that you want to do, but just elaborate on that as well. Um, so for me, I just realized that, you know, the future is everything, right? And the future are our children, right? Well, I don't have any children yet, but little brothers, little sisters, <laughs> and, and realizing that what we were given as kids helped us get to where we are today, right? Mm. Whether it be access, whether it be opportunities, whether it be, you know, visually seeing something, whether it be having mentors and relationships. Um, but for me, I know that having the knowledge and the wisdom that I was given from, from, from mentors and from different people that I was able to meet was everything, you know, without going to a private school, without meeting uh, real businessmen, without meeting real, you know, trainers. I, I tell Travel to this day, mm. he was the first African-American man that I've seen with real money. The first African-American millionaire that I've ever seen in my life. Really? First one. I tell him all the time, but it's like, wow. even having people like that, show you that there is business there is different things that you can do opens up you know it opened up my mind and my heart to say wow i can really do these things so now me and him are, are, are we go back and forth all day about different things that we can accomplish because mm. we both have those visions of how far and how how much we could really do you know so just being able to give that to people younger than me and to and i like i said i refer back to Huey p newton but kind of create and a, a masses, a community a, of, of people who are able and are competent enough to, to, to deem their own destiny. You know, the, yeah. the problem with a lot of things that 
we face as as black people is the lack mm -hmm. of resources, the lack of knowledge, and the lack of want to, right? But the third one, the lack of want to only only happens because you have the lack of resources and the lack of access, right? So it's like, I can't want to be a millionaire if I don't have the resources of access. All I can do is be on welfare because that's all that's in front of me. So just being able to, you know, give kids these opportunities, have schools, and even have different curriculums, right? I'm not, I, I, I wasn't born, I was born in America, but my bloodline wasn't born in America, right? Mm. So I don't know where I come from, which means I don't know who I can be, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, just being able to show kids where they, no matter what background, you can be any background you want. And this is one thing I, why I want to do the school is to implement education and different education opportunities and saying like for, for history, right? American history, although I'm from America, European history is not my history. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the history that tells about the people who I come from. So giving kids the opportunity to learn who they come from and the greatness in each own perspective, you know, perspective uh, backgrounds will help kids understand who they can really be and, and, and what, you know, has come before them. It's also the reason why I don't like the word minority, because um, I who think we're a minority too. That's the question. Well, and, 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 and I just feel like the word has a negative, you know, connotation in and of itself, even though it's speaking to, you know, quantity, though, we can have a large conversation about, you know, assimilation yeah, yeah. We'll and, and crossing that we'll be going all day. But just to speak to the inspiration that you no. trying to keep it on track, uh, trying to provide to younger kids. This is this is an, this is a reason why I don't like to use the term minority. And then lastly, I would just say when I was looking through your IG and I saw all the different cars, I think you got a red Porsche and all that other stuff. I do see how they, you know, can see the, um, you know, level that they can attain, you know, by just mm -hmm. even looking at how important that is to you, not just because of the acquisitions that you make that are material, but also the business and the mind and the character. And, the and, person. and, and I tell people every, every peer and every person younger than me, I tell, I say, listen, me being, me being where I am is the lottery. Mm -hmm. How many people do you know won the lottery? None. Mm -hmm. This is exactly the same thing. So I don't want them to feel like they can do exactly what I do because I've been able to do it through God's grace. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, no one knew I was going to be 6'5", 255 pounds, can run a, you know what I mean? No one knew I was going to be this athletic. So there's nothing that you can do to change that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like mm -hmm. using what you have in your own life and, and, and growing off of it. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Very, very in-depth conversation. Definitely for our first conversation. I'm sure it will not be our last, um, but I appreciate you, um, you know, taking the time to talk with me. You know, congratulations on the announcement and all of the various things that you're trying to do, the various spheres that you're um, cross-pollinating with the worlds that you're entering into now. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate Kayvon for joining us on this edition of Undefined. Make sure you keep it locked here Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on my Twitter where it's live streamed first. And then it goes out to USA Today on USA Today Sports Plus and also their OTT app, which you can download on your TV, USA Today. Bring it down on your on your screens and you can also watch it there. So we appreciate you listening for right now and make sure to tune in next time.